I don't think Florida State is a lock for the college football playoff, even if they're sitting there at 13-0. Welcome. It is Hick at Night. Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Appreciate you making us a part of your weekend. A happy weekend to you. Very one quick programming note here, and that is this. So obviously, right, Thanksgiving is coming up next week. My schedule next week is going to be a little bit different. So next weekend, I am not working this shift, but instead hosting Saturday evening, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. on the beautiful West Coast. So if you are in the car on Saturday afternoon, driving around, trying to get updated on all the college football action in the last regular season Saturday, we have... CBS Sports Radio, lock in 5 to uh, five to 10 p.m. Eastern. I'll be with you right there reacting to Ohio State, Michigan, and that fallout from that massive game, as well as rivalry weekend all across the landscape of college football. So very excited for that to be reacting to games this time next week. So a little bit of a different programming note just for one Saturday only. One Saturday only next week, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern. That is when you can hear me on Saturday. All right, so back to the initial statement. We got three weeks left to college football. And we have eight teams right now vying for four spots in the playoff. It's coming out of the wire, and we're going to have a lot of resume sparring between now and December 3rd when the college football playoff is set. So I want to discuss what should be valued the most. Right, we are comparing teams. We're talking about Alabama versus Oregon. We're talking about Michigan versus Georgia. Ohio State versus Washington. What truly matters when we're talking about these teams and what should be the separator as to determining why one team is better than the other? For me, the biggest separator, the resume factor, if you will, that matters the most is who you beat. Now, we, do we got to get Ric Flair out here? In order to beat the man, or in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. Terrible Ric Flair impersonation, but you get the point. It, to me, determining who an actual good team is, one of the four teams that should be able to compete for the college football playoff, I value the most who you beat. I am willing to overlook or forgive a loss, even if it's a bad loss. If you have some nice, impressive wins on your resume, I rather reward winning than reward, oh, well, they lost to this great team. They have no good wins, but look how close they played. You know, if you're Ohio State and you lose to Michigan, well, look how close they played Michigan. They lost by three. What a, what a quote-unquote great loss. I hate that term. Great loss, again, is just used when teams have nothing on their resume to show for. So they guys say, hey, look, we lost close. But if you are truly one of the four best teams we are talking about now, again, with eight uh, teams left, three weeks in the regular season, eight teams trying to get to four spots, I think what separates these four teams is who has the best wins on their resume, which is why I continue to get frustrated, continue to not understand why Florida State continues to sit in the top four. It makes no sense to me. If we're talking resume, if who you beat matters, how can you sit here with a straight face 
and tell me the Seminoles are right now a top four team. They are not. Honestly, Florida State right now is not a top seven team in my opinion. I would put Alabama, I would put Oregon, and I would put Texas all above Florida State right now for various reasons. I am not someone that believes that being undefeated is a automatic qualifier, if you will. Means you are going to the college football playoff, lock it up. I think we got to look into those wins, look into who you're playing, look into how you are playing, and parse it out through there. I don't think being 13-0 should be, oh, you're in, boom, it's over. Discussion ended. No, 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 no. I could easily argue a team with one loss at 12-1 and is better than a 13-0 team. And I think so far, that is what we are seeing with Florida State. And that's why you kind of look ahead here as we are getting really close to the finish line. It should not be a lock. And to me, it's not a lock. That Florida State will make the college football playoff even if they are 13-0. Again, for me, it's about who you beat. That is my biggest number one priority that I look for. Look at the resume. Look at the wins. Okay, let's look at Florida State's resume. Who have they beaten? They have beaten, according to the latest committee's rankings, number 15 LSU. That is their best win. Number 15 LSU on a neutral field. I get it. They're preseason number five. But look at those preseason rankings. I mean, USC was number six out of the rankings. Those preseason rankings are usually very flawed and usually, again, are are rarely correct. So being preseason number five is cute when the season starts, but now you got to look at that win by Florida State over LSU as, well, yeah, you beat an, an average team, a top 15 team. Okay. That's about it. And that's all we're talking about right now. That is FSU's resume. A win over number 15 LSU, in which they really played great in the second half. They didn't have a great first half. But anyway, I digress. And probably Duke is their second best win, in which Riley Leonard went out of the game in the second half with the Dukies leading. Spark in a second half comeback. But otherwise, there's not any impressive wins on the Seminoles' resume. And it's not like they are blowing teams out either. Close calls against Miami, against Pitt, against Boston College, against Clemson. They have not played anyone of real strength, and they have not looked impressive either along the way. At least for Michigan, you want to argue up until the Penn State game last week, they haven't played anyone. True, but at least to their credit, they're blowing everybody out. They're not making it a game. They are showing you and letting everyone know, oh, yeah, that's an inferior opponent because it's 35 nothing at halftime. Michigan didn't play with their food the way Florida State has constantly. And they're getting away with it. But that should come back to bite them. Like, are, are we watching games and taking into consideration how teams look and who they play? Or are we just saying, no, they keep winning. It's all good. No, no, no. We got to parse these wins out here and say, yeah, Florida State won, but... Is a 24-7 win over Pitt when they just lost 58-7 the week before Notre Dame? Is it that impressive? Is a Miami team that's reeling, playing their backup quarterback on the road in Tallahassee last week and only losing by seven, in which the game was a one-score game for 
basically the majority of it. Are we are we saying that that's that's a, an impressive win? No. And that's why if you look ahead here, and I want to give one quick projection. There's a very realistic scenario. We are sitting here after conference championship weekend with the following results. 13-0 Michigan. 12-1 Oregon. 12-1 Texas. 12-1 Alabama. And 13-0 Florida State. Michigan Big Ten champ. Oregon Pac-12 champ. Texas Big 12 champ. Or did I say Big 12 for Oregon? Sorry, Pac-12 for Oregon. Big 12 for Texas. Alabama, obviously the SEC champ. And Florida State winning the ACC. Out of those five teams... Michigan, Oregon, Texas, Bama, Florida State. The team that's getting the boot for me is the Seminoles. They have the weakest resume, and by far against those other four teams, have the least impressive wins. And if you don't beat anyone, I really can't take you seriously. I can't reward you for being a top four team if the resume doesn't show it. And so that's why for me, when you kind of look at what matters here going forward, What matters to me is wins. I can overlook a loss. It's okay. I can overlook even some sloppy performances and wins if you stack two, three, four impressive wins on your resume throughout the season. Michigan can do that by beating Penn State and beating Ohio State. Oregon can do that by beating Utah on the road before early this season and getting revenge on Washington and beating a top-five team in the Pac-12 title game. Texas went into Tuscaloosa earlier this season and beat Alabama. Bama, getting on a roll right now, would not only have a win over LSU, like Florida State, but also have a win over Georgia in the SEC title game on their resume as well. The more you look at it, the more I just can't comprehend a Florida State team, even at 13-0, making the college football playoff because I don't think their resume is strong enough. And I would put Oregon in above them. I'd put Texas in above them. I'd put, uh, I'd put Alabama in above them. I would even consider, consider, looking at an 11-1 and Ohio State if they lose to Michigan with their wins this year over Penn State and Notre Dame. I would consider... A Washington team that if they're sitting there at 12-1 and with a loss to Oregon in the Pac-12 title game but already having a win over them earlier this season, I would consider them over Florida State. The Seminoles have not impressed me. And being 13-0 is not an automatic qualifier to make in the playoff. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. What is the biggest thing you focus on when it comes to talking about here what matters in college football. Is it wins? Is it who you lose to? 855-212-4227. We'll go out to Chris in Pennsylvania. Hello, Chris. Hey, how you doing, Ron? Good, man. How you doing? Good. All right, what's on your mind? Well, just trying to answer your question about the whole college football thing. Uh, I do think it has a lot to do with wins just because that's how the committee judges it. But I love how you're talking about Florida State. I mean, when they played Clemson, they were winning the whole game, and they were in the red zone 
I can't tell you how many times they're punting, turn turn it over. And so my whole judgment on college football really isn't with wins, especially mm-hmm. with young athletes. I think it matters late in the game when you start playing the conference games and then you start beating people. You've seen it many times where teams aren't undefeated and then go and beat the bigger guy in conference play. So is it for like more consistency for you? So it's like in Florida State's case, you wouldn't mind that they, their best one right now is number 15 LSU if they took care of business against everyone else in a dominant fashion. Is that like you're more of the consistent route? I'm not more on the consistent route. I'm, I judge how you win the game. And Florida State hasn't shown much at all to where they belong in the top four. I would agree and, with you, Chris. Yeah. And going back like, to last week, I mean, you have Alabama at eight last week. You, you just can't forget about the season and how it's going. Yeah, no. Uh, I'm, just trying, I'm trying to like trying to put words into it, but there's a lot to I think should go into judgment, especially with college athletes. No, you're right, and they are the most unpredictable group of people on this planet. 18 and 22 year old kids. Appreciate the call, Chris. And by the way, just because I don't think I mentioned before, like it's obviously wins to me are are the most important, but it's also. Right. There's other factors you take into account as well. It's not just wins. I mean, if you have three great wins over top five teams, but two losses here, two losses is going to hurt you and, and leave you out, right? We've never seen a two-loss college football team make the playoff um, in the four-team format here. So it's not the only thing that I'm looking at, right? It is multiple factors, who you play, how you play, how you lose, when you lose, how are other teams looking as well compared to common opponents? Like, there's a lot to go into it. But for me, the the area of the factor that gets the most weight is, is wins. Who do you beat? And to your point about Florida State, it's not the fact that they've not only really not beaten anyone impressive so far compared to everyone else uh, either above and below them. It's also the fact that they have, again, struggled and had to squeak by inferior teams. And if you are truly here an elite college football playoff team, again, it's 18 to 20 year old, uh, 18 to 22 year old kids. You want to have a brain fart? No problem. It happens every every year. I mean, last year, look at Georgia and Missouri. Never forget trying to run to a TV screen to to watch the second half because like you go into that game, say, like, all right, blowout. Georgia's rolling, no chance. All of a sudden, you look at the score, like, whoa, hold on here. Everyone's entitled to a bad game. And a close, you know, a game that's closer than it should be. But when Florida State is making a weekly habit of it, where you can look at half of their wins almost coming against inferior opponents, but in games that are way closer than they should have been, yeah, what do we that that's more of a trend and a pattern than it is just an anomaly of oh, okay, through 12 games, if you're, you know, 12 and 0 or even 11 and 1, and you had two hiccups against bad teams, but you won. You can move past that. We're, we're talking about four or five games here for the Seminoles out of ten. They're like, oh, I don't know about that. Ooh, that's yikes. They don't really look that that good, and they're kind of struggling here. Uh, that's where my antenna raises, and that's why for me, even at 13-0, it's not an automatic qualifier to make the college football playoff. 
So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. You look at Florida State. I would argue the team floundering the most right now of the team still alive for the college football playoff. Is going 13-0 enough for you to put them in no matter what? Three weeks left before we get to the college football playoff selection show. There's going to be chaos. There is going to be hell. And I think it's going to start on Saturday. One team in the top eight is going to have their college football playoff hopes dashed by this time tomorrow. And I think it's going to be Texas. I think the Texas Longhorns are going down to Iowa State on Saturday night, and number seven Texas is going to be eliminated from the college football playoff race. We talked a lot about Florida State and, and their narrow escapes to start this hour. Texas is right in that boat. Now, I know they've been doing it without Quinn Ewers, who's been out uh, since hurting his shoulder against Houston, but Houston had to hold on for dear life. Kansas State... They had to hold on for dear life. Last week against TCU, had to fight off a massive fourth-quarter comeback to, to survive that game. So even though they've been surviving these games without their starting quarterback, and now he's returning, Quinn Ewers is going to play uh, against Iowa State on Saturday night. Why I'm still picking the Cyclones to win is because while they get their quarterback back, Longhorns lose their running back. Jonathan Brooks has really been the, the bell cow for this team. He's one of the best running backs in college football. And Texas has been able to control the game based on how they run it. Like, they have been a team this year that their success on offense starts in the run game, and then Quinn Ewers, when he's out there, is able to take the top off the defense. Go back to that Alabama game earlier in the season. They won that game because they ran the ball effectively on first down. Quinn Ewers took a few shots, hit them, and that was the game. But they took shots and hit them because Alabama was trying to sell out to stop the run. Brooks has been tremendous for the Longhorns this season. I think his loss is massive. His loss, to me, is bigger than even the positive that is yours returning to the lineup. He's going to be rusty again. He hurt his shoulder, his right shoulder, so his throwing shoulder. Um, that was the one that's injured. First game back, I think there is going to be some rust to knock off. Iowa State's defense is very good. They're going to cause problems, I think, for the Longhorns in this game. And I don't like how close Texas has played and how they've not been able to put opponents away. I think that's going to be uh, the death blow. Come back to bite them this week. So the Cyclones, Iowa State, upset Texas Saturday night in Ames. They eliminate Texas from the college football playoff race. That's the only upset I think we see on Saturday. Georgia, as you heard in Hanky's Pickies before with Alex, smoke in Tennessee. I think Washington is going to grind out a win against Oregon State. Really excited for that game. I think it's going to be a good one, but I think the Huskies do come out there uh, alive and 11-0. and 0. And I don't think really any other trap game. I'm not worried about Chattanooga against Alabama. I'm not worried about Maryland against Michigan or Minnesota against Ohio State. Um, I think for the most part, a lot of these other trap games will go to chalk. And we're going to be setting up for a massive um, rivalry weekend here to end the regular season. So Texas eliminated from the college football playoff. Iowa State pulling off the upset. Who is on upset alert here? 
and is second to last week, the penultimate weekend of the regular season in college football, 855-212-4227. We also start off this hour talking about Florida State. They have not been impressive so far this season. They are 10-0, but for me, a undefeated regular season and a 13-0 record when it's all said and done is not an automatic qualifier for me to make the college football playoff. I care the most about who you beat. Right now, there's no impressive wins on the Seminoles' resume. And as we saying, oh, yeah, that's a team that's definitely in the top four. Let's go to Robert in California with some thoughts on the Seminoles. Hello, Robert. Hey, how's it going? Good, buddy. What's on your mind, man? Uh, well, I want to talk about Florida State. So, like, I definitely respect your opinion, and I, I think you make some valid points. But in terms of if you look at the ACC, it is a Power 5 conference. And while, like, okay, their schedule hasn't been amazing, I mean – they, it is a power five conference, and I do think there's some merit to going undefeated and running the table. And if you look at their conference, I mean, Louisville's ranked 10th, UNC's 20th. I mean, even NC State, Virginia Tech, those teams are going to get bowl games too. So, I mean, that's like, what, five, six teams for sure are going to be in bowls. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it means something personally. Well, two things there, Robert. Number one, I mean, North Carolina, they didn't play them. So, if they played them, it would have been better on the resume. For the Seminoles, yeah. um, but I get what you're saying. But overall, like the ACC, right, is a Power Five conference, obviously. But they are the yeah. worst Power Five conference. That's part of their problem right now. When you look around, and I just think that if you want to argue the Big Twelve, we can have a discussion. But the thing that for me that gives Texas the advantage, if I'm wrong, they beat Iowa State and are sitting there at 12 and one as Big Ten champs, is the fact that they beat Alabama right now, who's a top eight team, and maybe keeps on climbing. That win is impressive along with, you know, again, being uh, a Big 12 champ, that to me puts, if you're talking about two bad conferences in the Big 12 and the ACC, not great depth this year, that's what trumps Texas to me over the Seminoles, even though they have one losses. Well, that Texas one is very impressive. Or that Alabama one, I should say, is very impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, you definitely make some valid points. But, I mean, I guess it's kind of a separate discussion. But, I mean, you bring up Alabama with one loss, which, I mean, they've so far they've definitely – prove themselves to be pretty competitive and definitely a worthy opponent. But, I mean, honestly, I, I don't see them beating Georgia even whatsoever. So, I mean, I think that's going to kind of fly out the window. And I also agree with what you say about Texas. And, I mean, Jonathan Brooks, I mean, he's – to me, he, he has a bright future. Without him, I mean, good luck. And I'm not – I don't know about you, but I'm I'm not super impressed with Quinn Ewers. No, I'm with you. I, outside, again, that Alabama game he was great in. I appreciate the call, Robert. He has not been – as consistent, and again, now with no or with your best running back out, there's still some talented running backs. It is Texas with their recruiting, after all. But with your best running back out this season, one of the best in all of college football, it is going to fall more uh, more on yours here to make some plays to win some of these games. And I'm with you. I've not really been sold or, or wowed by what we've seen so far uh, from Quinn Ewers in his two-plus year, or really, no, just two years, um, with the Longhorns so far. Beck is calling from Florida. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? Um, uh, speaking of us, I don't know if you know that uh, I was a Colts fan uh, back from our previous calls, but um, oh, yeah. Bajard Warner, I mean, he was FSU, and he was German, and guess what? The Colts played in Germany this weekend. That's right. Last weekend, you know, so, I mean, again, I know you That's guys. That's a good throwback by you, Beck. There was no mention on the broadcast. They should have had him for that game on the sidelines. I mean, he was not great as a Colt, so I get why you want to bury him. But Germany, there's oh, the Colts I, connection I, I, right there. I didn't get to see it. It was too early. I was still sleeping at that time. So I You guess, know what, uh, Beck? 
you are smarter than me. I woke up early, still crying from Penn State losing to Michigan and having to watch oh, no. that. Yeah, I told ugly... you. You should have, guys. You guys better. You should have taken the tackles. You should have put it out there and took them down. But, no, you guys <laughs> let me down and let, I guess, you down because you, you have a big old affiliation to that school oh. than me. But you didn't take the tackle. I had you. I had you, man. I know. I know. You're right. Not good, Beck. Not good. But nice call with Bjorn Warner there. No, but 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 still, I mean, with all this hate again with Florida State and everything else, and um, everything else is the same with the Michigan. The same stuff still. Here we are another, what, two weeks, three weeks later, and, and now they're saying they pulled the, 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 the court case out because now there's stuff coming out and everything else and they're scared about or whatever else. But I mean, but again, with my dad, I told him, I said, listen, Florida state, man, if we went out, if Washington wins out or Ohio state and they play two games, we could go undefeated and still get booted. I mean, that's, you know, that's crazy. But again, it is, but that's, that's part of like, it's Florida state's own doing. Like, I don't think back we're having this conversation. If they blow up Boston college, if they handle Pitt, if they make Miami look foolish, like, I mean, up until this past weekend, when they played Penn state, Michigan's resume was laughable. I mean, it was the worst resume in, in for any team relevant in college football in terms of making the playoff. But to their credit, they have at least blown everybody out. You know, they've now made a conversation, so at least they've left no doubt of who the better team is when you're winning every game by, like, five touchdowns. And that's right Uh now, you know, part of Florida State's problem is, I appreciate the callback, is that they're not doing that. They're hanging around with inferior competition regularly. And that's not the mark of a a top-four team. Josh is calling from Jackson. What's up, Josh? Hey, bud. I'm making this real quick, man. Love the show. Thanks, man. You know... Florida State season, yes, we've had some ups and downs and some close calls, but I think when it comes down to being undefeated at the end of it all, you got to look at the Clemson game. You know, Clemson in recent years has been the powerhouse for the ACC. We went in there, although we skated by, but we, we did work in Clemson, and I think that could help strengthen our resume. The thing with that, with that though, Josh, is like you look at Clemson this year, they're not like they're six and 14. You know, it's not like right. one of those like, Oh, they're ten and two, and it's a quote unquote down year. They are objectively a, a bad team, or an okay team. Bad, maybe is bad, harsh. Like they're average, and so it's like I just don't think I just I can't personally look at the brand of Clemson and boost that win more because it's all oh, like they've had success in the past. They're a six and four team this year. Yeah, you know, I and the, agree. The, for Florida State, all you got to really do is just root for a Texas loss. And you're in the clear, right? At that point, and that's I appreciate the call, Josh. Like that's really, it's not. You don't need a lot of help if you're the Seminoles to make it a lock that you're in the playoff. But it definitely gets interesting if we're talking about you know again five Power Five uh, champs here: Texas, Michigan, Oregon, or Washington. Either one, Alabama, and Florida State. There's I think there's a real argument for Texas over Florida State. If they lose, no argument, it's gone. And all of a sudden, now we're talking about an undefeated Florida State here in the playoff. But the Seminoles have also not helped themselves by, again, playing these close games against lesser opponents on a regular basis. Let's finish off at least this conversation here with Derek in California. What's up, Derek? 
Hey, Ryan. Uh, I know Texas hasn't been playing that great, but you talk about uh, the teams, uh, you know, who you've gotten wins against. What about the teams you lost to? Iowa State lost to Ohio University at home mm-hmm. this year. Uh, so you think a team that lost to a MAC team is going to beat the number seven ranked team in the country? Well, you can't use that logic because, I mean, college football, there's no logic. Like, like, is that so? You're believing in Texas to win this game against Iowa State, not because Quinn Ewers is back, or because you believe in Texas's defense, or that you don't believe in Iowa State's offense to be that potent. It's oh, they lost to Ohio back in September, and now that we're talking about two months later, there's no way that a team that lost to Ohio is gonna now beat Texas. You're talking about all these close games like against Houston and TCU. What about Alabama beating Arkansas 24 to 21? I mean, they, Alabama barely won that game. And and, you, and and then uh, I disagree with you about Washington. I think they're going to lose to Oregon State. Oregon State's playing their last home game in Pac-12 history. And uh, so I disagree with you there. And if Florida State beats Louisville, in the ACC championship game, and Louisville goes in that game 11-1, and one, then, yes, Florida State deser- deserves to go if they're undefeated. Well, if you're the Seminoles, you are the biggest fan right now of Louisville, which is also interesting. I appreciate the call, Derek. Look at the point spread on that one. Miami, one-point favorite at home over Louisville. I think that just, for me, underscores the weakness of the ACC more than anything else. Unranked Miami at home, going back to Tyler Van Dyke, who was benched for throwing so many interceptions. Now is a one-point favorite at home over the number 11 team in the country in Louisville coming on in. If that doesn't scream and show you the the weakness right now of the ACC, I don't know what does. I got a big problem. Big problem with one of my neighbors in my apartment building. And now my girlfriend and I are actually in a fight. Uh, maybe not a fight, in a disagreement. We see things differently. So here's what happened. We live in an apartment building in New York City. And our apartment building, like you, there's one entrance. One entrance, one exit. It's a small apartment building. And you exit right onto the street. Like right onto the sidewalk. Boom, you're there. That's where our door is. And we were walking back um, the other day. And I look up, up our block. And there is one of our neighbors who opens the door to our apartment, walks out with his dog, takes like one step in front of our building and allows his dog to go number one right there, right in front of the building. And again, our building is small. It's narrow. So it's not like it's like this vast walkway. You can, you have a lot of room to walk. You basically have to walk over the P in order to get in and out of our apartment. This guy walks his dog one step from the stoop, lets him go number one, and walks right back into the apartment. Now, because I'm soft, I didn't say anything. Also, he's a little bit further ahead, so by the time he got in the building, he was kind of already walking into his into his own apartment. But I saw that and could not believe my eyes. Like, that's egregious. You cannot allow that to happen. My girlfriend saw it differently. She didn't really see what the big deal was. 
So, Alex, I ask you here to break the tie. I am like, I am fuming. This happened. This has happened now two weeks ago. I'm still upset about it. She didn't, doesn't really see the big deal. Whose side do you want, Alex, right now? I'm Is kinda, it a big I'm, deal I'm or not? I'm kind of on your girlfriend's side. You don't think it's a big deal? Well, do you I have mean, to like, walk you, over dog piss? I mean, like, you see, I see it all the time. Like, it's just, it, like, it's normal, like, in New York. You're right about that. Here's what... Is it a walk-in? Yes. Oh, okay. Are there steps, or is it just, like, you... No. Hmm. It's, again, it's not like I could easily avoid it. It's not like we have a 10-foot-wide sidewalk that I could just skirt by, no problem. It's pretty narrow. You kind of, for the most part, have to walk over it. Maybe being a little dramatic. Maybe you can sidestep it, but it's not by a lot. But here's what really bothers me the most. You're right. There's dog pee everywhere in New York City. It's disgusting, but it's true. What bothers me the most is that he lives there. If it was a random guy who's walking his dog on the sidewalk and his dog just happened to stop in front of our building and pee, I wouldn't care as much because, honestly, if it was my dog, I'd be like, you know what? It ain't my building. I don't really care. I actually I actually think the other way around because, like, I, I get that, like, if it was like, a random person, like, I can't get mad at him. Like, it's just like, oh, that's just my luck type of thing. Right. But... With him, I mean, like, I always see people just, like, coming out with flip-flops and just, like, shorts, and but, like, with a big jacket, just knowing that they're going to go out because their dog is about to go use the bathroom. Right. So, I mean, like, is that, like, I mean, and so he just went and, and went out and came back in? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see... But it's like you have... At least have respect for where you live. Like, again, you, yeah. you have no respect for other people's... Property, uh, fine. Uh, that's the world we live in. I guess I would have been but it's like you live there. mad in the moment, but I feel like I would have let it go by now. Like, how do you, like, <laughs> it's just like you have no respect for yourself and no respect for people that you see every day in the building. It's a small building. It, it, again, yeah, we have, like. I, I can see where you're coming from, but I, I, I just, I feel like I'll be like. Like, ew, ew, jump over it, and then go inside. I'm like, ah, eh, whatever. And it'll, it'll, it'll dry up once I leave again or something like that. If he went two feet left or right, it's not a problem. The fact that he allowed his dog to, like, literally basically go right in the middle of the walkway, right mm -hmm. where we're supposed to go, it's just like, like, this is impacting you, too. Like, that's what I don't understand. It's impacting him. I understand your frustration. But I'm I, not I, I a violent person. I have never gotten into a... I've gotten into one fight in my life, but I've never thrown a punch. So I it's not one. like I'm going to fight him. But honestly, I'm pretty damn close. Like that, I was steaming. I, I have once thrown a punch. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was like a... Did you win the fight? No, we, uh, my friends broke it up. Nothing. Like it was a... It was a tie, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I won't get into it. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> So you can can you throw? Was it a good punch or was it like a? It was it, it like it like skimmed his face, oh, but because like it, it was like. Do you have good I, form? Yeah, I mean like well. You seen people because people can throw punches and they're just flailing arms and it's like if that makes contact you barely feel it or you're gonna hurt yourself more I, than I do. More than I you do hurt the other take, person. Take uh, boxing classes. So. Okay, so you know what you're doing. Yeah. Okay, so that, that's respectful. That's fine. Yeah, I'm a southpaw, so. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, nice. I will know not to mess with you. <laughs> Whatever you good. say in this show goes, Alex. All right. That's thank you. That's good to know. Yeah, Mike Tyson over here. All right.
But so I'll keep you updated next time I see this guy. I think I'm in the right. I'm going to call him out on it and see where it goes. He's tall but lanky. Also, I will say, if things did escalate in a physical way and I just had to fight him, I don't plan on, I don't want to, but if I had to get in that situation, I think I could take him. Which also makes now me more likely to at least call him out. At least confront him and say, what are we doing here? That was egregious. That was absolutely egregious. What also is egregious, look, I love the Kelseys. Travis Kelsey is awesome. Chase and Kelsey, very funny. Their podcast is awesome. It's hilarious. Their family seems very nice. With that said, enough. Enough of the Kelseys. The Kelsey family and the coverage has jumped the shark. This week, I don't need articles written, Alex. I don't know if you saw this. There's articles written about the Kelsey family, Jason, that is, releasing their holiday card. That's the article. Their holiday card has been released. Do we need do we need to know? Did, I feel did like you I, need to know that? No, I feel like they're entering that like tier of famous now because of Taylor Swift, where like regular just like an announcement shouldn't be breaking news. I agree. Yeah. Like we don't need play by play on their life. We don't need to know when Travis Breaking. Kelsey's bowel movements grocery are. Shopping or with right. a banana. Yeah. Or Jason Kelsey, you know, his, oh, his Christmas card is out. Let's see what he was wearing. Relax. We don't need to know. And on that note, I swear, Eagles Chiefs, biggest game of the regular season coming up here on Monday night. You know who's going to be there? Not, Chell, uh, not Taylor Swift. Mr. and Mrs. Swift. They are meeting the Kelsey family for the first time. I hope it works out. I hope Travis and, and Taylor get married. They seem great together. Seems cool. I don't need Joe Buck. I don't need 10 camera shots in the Kelsey family box of Mr. and Mrs. Kelsey meeting Mr. and Mrs. Swift and see what they're talking about. No, I don't care. People actually don't care enough. It is hyped up a lot. We don't need to know. Taylor's not there. Mr. and Mrs. Swift, I'm sure, are great people. I'm not disparaging them. I just don't need 10 cut-ins of them in the box and to try to break down or figure out what they're talking about. That The, the Kelsey Swift attention, we'll just call it that, jumped the shark too much.